Hey everyone, welcome back to But Why Though the Podcast, where we talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, we wanted to make sure to tell y'all to head on over to our Twitter and Instagram at But Why Though PC or our Facebook, facebook.com slash But Why Though PC. That way you can send us your fan But Why Those. Why are you part of a fandom? Why does it matter to you? We want to know and we want to put it up on our website. But if you're looking to support us a little bit more, head over to our Patreon. There you'll get exclusive content, access to your research notes, and even episodes a day to two days early. And if you subscribe at the $3 level, you'll get some merch. But at the end of the day, we're happy just to have you here listening to us. So share us with your friends, share us with your coworkers, share us with your Tinder dates. Just, you know, share us. And uh, enjoy the show. everyone and welcome back today we are honoring the justice league by covering one of the best most acclaimed most fan love series there is in the superhero animated world and that is bruce tim's justice league and bruce tim and Dwayne mcduffie's justice league unlimited as always i'm your host kate and i'm here with adrian hey how's it going and matt hello we're gonna go ahead and start with a question if you had to make a Justice League, who would be in it? And we're going to go on the original Founders rules and say seven people. All right, I'll go first. And I'm going to start with my leader and I guess captain of my Justice League, sort of. And I'm going to go with uh, John Stewart as the Green Lantern. He'd be my captain. Then I'm going to go with my semi-underminding, also first mate of Batman, because I have a feeling he would just disagree and do whatever he wants anyways, but we need John Stewart to make everybody seem like it's good to go. <laughs> and then I will go with Green Arrow, Blue Beetle, Dr. Fate, Hot Girl, and I'm not going to lie, I had a hard time trying to get a seventh member, and so I would do what this character would always do, and I would cheat, and I'm going to go with John Constantine from Justice League Dark. It's really funny you put that. I'm actually kind of not surprised because I know you love him. But now if we go into my in, into my team, he would not be my leader. But I, too, put John Constantine um, because I love him and Justice League Dark is still Justice League adjacent. And then I went ahead and my leader would be the Martian Manhunter. And then my Green Lantern would be Jon Stewart as well because, come on, he's the only Green Lantern that matters. Go ahead and at me. I don't care. I would also have Hot Girl, Etragon the Demon, and if I was a DC female character, I would want to be Big Barda. I love Big Barda, and so Big Barda's going to be in there. Is that seven? Yeah, that should be seven. Oh, of those six. I yeah. can't count. Big Barda, Jon Stewart, Hot Girl, Manhunter. Oh, and Wonder Woman. That was six. Yeah, so where's your seventh member? Wonder Woman. You know, literally on your fingers, you counted five and then said Wonder One, Woman for two, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven. Seven! No! I have seven. Okay. You're good. I didn't say Wonder Woman, but I saw her on the paper, so I stopped counting with my fingers. Oh, okay. All I saw is you go five. Oh, Wonder Woman. And I, was like, I get six. no respect. Anyway, it would be Constantine, Etrigan the Demon, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, Hot Girl, Jon Stewart, and Big Barda. 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 
Oh my god. <laughs> I hate you so much sometimes. Uh, can I go? Yes, you can go. <laughs> uh, so I went totally left field with this question. I thought when we saw this in the show notes that make my own Justice League out of like just any character I could think of. So what I did was I just did like parallels for like the founding members. Um, and I'll just say right now, my Justice League would whoop both your Justice League's ass. <laughs> I feel like he cheated on this uh, question. <laughs> so for my Batman type character, I went with Darth Vader. Uh, broody, black. For my Superman character, I went with Goku. For my Green Lantern character, I went with Ash Ketchum. Because he has lots of different Pokemon that could serve as different, you know, <laughs> serve his purpose as Green Lantern. For Wonder Woman, I went River Tam from Firefly slash Serenity. Ooh. For Aquaman, I went Katara. I was hoping from... you were going to say Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went Katara from uh, The Last Airbender. And then for my Martian Manhunter. This one was kind of hard because I was trying to figure out like who's like a smart, spacey guy. I, w- I just went with Spock. Smart, spacey guy? Smart, Yeah, spacey. so it was Spock. Didn't say Spock... alien, just smart, spacey guy. Yeah, because I didn't want to make anyone else really like super spacey, so I just went with Spock. Well, he's and like, be... he's a shapeshifter. He phases through walls. Yeah, he's so hard to like find a parallel for that. Yeah. So I just went with Spock because he's smart and he's like monotone, like Martian Manhunter. And this I is just feel true. like he would just... Stay in the thing for like the longest time. This so, is true. Yeah. So who's your leader out of that group? Uh, psh, uh, I guess I'd have to go with probably Goku. Props as like a moral leader, not necessarily like let's go do this, but like we can do this, guys. Let's go kill Darkseid. I think my my team might have more felonies than anything else. Yeah, I think yours would. Yeah, you're definitely like the anti-hero. Yeah. <laughs> you're definitely would. Like with the exception dark. of Blue Beetle. Yeah, but Blue Beetle screws up so many things. He does, but it's because he's a kid. We're talking like the second Blue Beetle, right? Like the young one. Yes. And, okay, not the not no. the old dude. Well, the old dude was a dick. Yeah. He was a bad guy. Yeah. No, we're talking about the uh, young kid. Okay. We should do a poll of who has the best Justice League. Characters. We should actually. By the way, the young Blue Beetle, I think, is the only like kiddish character that I can think of off the top of my head that I actually like. Like young character. Would. No, no. I guess technically he's like a. I like Nightwing. I mean, he's all right, but I, don't but, think I mean, he's a kid. Well, I mean, teenage, I guess, character. You're 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 missing the part where I picked Darth Vader for my team. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. I'm not missing the part because for some reason did not he can rule the empire, but he can't rule your team. Well, technically he didn't really rule the empire. He didn't somebody really else, rule the empire. Somebody else yeah. ruled the empire, and he just did like the dirty work for the empire. Don't don't talk Star Wars at me, Matt. That's all <laughs> yeah. Well, technically Goku led the Z fighters, bro. Come on, <laughs> he can lead this team. I can't even think of anybody I would put other than these people if I was doing something not. not I could, but I need more time. So. Yeah. So. On that note, let's move on. We don't have that kind of time. Poll no, incoming, and you can say whose Justice League combination is better. Fair enough. Not fair. Adrian doesn't even have any he- like DC people. I didn't do DC people on purpose because I would have just picked Marvel characters anyway. Did I just like did I show my hand in, the, in this episode? Shit. Yeah, I too probably would have done that, with the exception of like maybe John Stewart, Hawkgirl, and Big Barda. The other ones would have all been 
Okay, let's move on. <laughs> this, is, this is our DC episode. Well, if we're doing that, I'm picking Lego Batman. <gasps> yes! Go. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I am leading the Justice League today because I am leading the episode. And I decided to go ahead and go into a brief history of the Justice League, its publication history specifically, and then I'm going to go ahead and move us into what I would say for all three of us was formative for us liking any DC character, and that's Bruce Timm's Justice League animated universe. So to start off on this history, the Justice League of America comes in the Silver Age of Comics as a way to reintroduce the Justice Society of America. And they ended up changing the name because the editor at the time really liked the way the MLB's naming was. So like National League and American League. So he decided to go with that. Um, It first appeared in The Brave and the Bold, number 28, in 1960. And after just two more appearances, they were given their own title. And they were written by Gardner Fox and artist uh, Mike Sikowski. And they remained on the book until 1968. So even though most of all of DC superheroes have been a part or have worked at the Justice League from time to time, they do have a core founding member. They do have core founding members and they're referred to founding members almost all the time. These members are Green Lantern, The Flash, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Martian Manhunter. Before you go on, I didn't... I, I gimped my own team and only said six people. So my <laughs> team is going to get better when I add in Sonic the Hedgehog to replace Flash. That is actually an that, excellent choice. That is a really good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Adrian. All right, you can keep going now. Sorry. I just want to make sure. I just, just want to get added for just saying six. I got to put Sonic in there. <laughs> count, man. <laughs> he was a liberal arts major. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> um. So... The majority of the origin stories all really hinge on having to deal with an alien invader. The specific one that was used to start off the Justice League is as follows for the most part. Um, I am glossing over a lot of stuff, but essentially competing alien warriors were sent to Earth to see which one could conquer Earth first, and whoever won by conquering Earth would then return to their their home planet and rule there. So all the aliens drew the attention of all the heroes in this continuity because they all had to fight them individually. And they won most of those battles, but then they ended up having to combine all their resources to take care of the very last competitor. So after this happens, this is solidified as the moment in superhero history and in their history that made them realize that when you have a global menace like this, they needed to pool their resources in order to take them on and not work individually. So it necessitated a team. This does change later on because apparently Green Arrow like discovers these inconsistencies in the Justice League reports and then it, it kind of retcons that and it says that they were like saving the Martian Manhunter from being captured and everything. So as much as this is their origin and it is something that you see popping up again it is going to be happening it looks like at least from what i've seen from the new justice league trailers they are handling an invasion type situation you had the invasion crossover episodes for the cw verse on dc tv this seems to be uh this invasion story is seems to be very very pivotal to what happens with the justice league so in the initial stories batman and superman were 
not really regulars, especially on the covers. They're hardly featured. And over the next few years, they introduce their next three members. And that's Green Arrow, The Atom, and Hawkman. There were, also, there were also multiple ways in which the JLA has been reformed, dissolved, or had their contracts changed. And a lot of this has to do with um, having like part-time membership, full-time membership, rogue members, and it just gets really convoluted. So I don't want to go into all the different possible ways you can make a Justice League team. You know what's cool? I think I have like three rogue members on my team. I'm not surprised by that. Actually, maybe four. I can't. I thought Doctor Fate might have been like a half, but I don't think he. No, Doctor. No, he's not. Doctor Fate's actual Justice League. I couldn't remember whether he was only like part time or not, though. He's not rogue, but I thought he was only part time. But I could be wrong, obviously. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> so all of this changed in September of tw- of two thousand and eleven when DC canceled all of its comics and rebooted every single series as the New Fifty Two after the Flashpoint miniseries wrapped. So, essentially, whenever you hear anybody talking about New 52, this means specifically the the post-2011 pre-rebirth era where everything gets redone. So, in this continuity, this continuity was launched by Jeff Johns and Jim Lee, and Jeff Johns is arguably one of the best writers in comics ever overall and their justice league comic was the first title released to start off the new 52 and it came out the same day that the last flashpoint issue was published and in this team you have green lantern flash superman batman wonder woman cyborg as the founding members and then you end up with the atom firestorm and element woman acting as their expansion cast then you get another reboot Um, which is the DC Rebirth continuity. And these founding members are Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Aquaman, Cyborg, Mera, Simon Baz, and Jessica Cruz. I personally hate both of these last teams that I've mentioned. I just don't think they're good. Um, And I think it it should warrant to say that um, the Green Lantern, as I've mentioned, is um, Hal Jordan, not the best one ever, Jon Stewart. At least he's in it. Yeah, I was like, yes. at least <laughs> something. Exactly. At least there's which, a lantern in the mo- in the comic. Which I would like to point out, there is almost always one lantern. You talking about in there at all times, or like as a founding member? Um, at least from the one, at least from the ones that I've read, as a founding member. Okay. Um. So, just really quickly on why the Justice League proper matters and it's because it started superhero teams so before the justice league we don't really have i mean you have like the justice society but so far as big team-ups of existing heroes in one area it starts with them so when uh when the owner of marvel heard how well the justice league books were doing he decided to go ahead and tell stan lee to come up with a team of superheroes and this is actually how we ended up getting the fantastic four um the first family of marvel and one of the series that really solidified um stan lee and jack kirby 
And that debuted in November of 1961, a year after the Justice League had. And also, super fun fact, Marvel introduced a team of villains in 1971 based on the Justice League. So it was made to mirror them. And it was called Squadron Supreme. And essentially, you had Hyperion, who was Superman, Nighthawk, who was Batman, Power Princess, who was Wonder Woman, Dr. Spectrum, who was Green Lantern, and Speed Demon, who was The Flash. And they went ahead, and that is also in uh, Disney XD's Avengers Assemble animated series. I can't watch that. We tried, didn't we? I've tried. It's awful. Yeah. Well, it's not awful. I, did, I can't do it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I, liked Earth Mighty, Earth, I liked Earth's Mightiest Heroes, but that's neither here nor there. Because we are now going to start talking about what I personally hold as the... I don't know, the standard for animated comic book things, and that is Bruce Timm's universe, specifically Justice League and Justice League Unlimited that started in the early 2000s. So a little background on why we decided to frame this episode as focusing on Bruce Timm's animation, it's because it was really pivotal in one exposing me to heroes that I had never seen because I had pretty much just been a Marvel person before this and just being really freaking good and I hold everything to this standard when I see them in any iteration I don't know about you guys uh no yeah uh Bruce Timm's animated series are like the pinnacle of animation like that's how like you do animate like if you go i'm pretty sure i don't know the numbers i'm pretty sure if you go on ign's like top 100 animated series i guarantee you justice league batman superman all that stuff is going to be in there in that top 100 and that's just all the stuff done by one dude so yeah i love it that's how i got into like you said that's how i got into dc was by watching the the animated series as a kid Mm -hmm. even though i watched this when i was like 24 but still (laughs) second grade (laughs) my fault jesus you were not 24 well did you watch it when it came out no that's what i'm saying i watched it when it came on netflix like never mind (laughs) that's why that's yeah i didn't watch this until about 2013 oh okay um okay so justice league it ran from 2001 to 2004 on cartoon network and it is known pretty much by everyone as Bruce Timm's Justice League. He came to be the executive producer of the series after producing Batman and Superman after Batman the Batman and Superman animated series. And the starting team here is Batman who is voiced by Kevin Conroy, which is pretty much he is Batman in in everything so in the animated series new batman adventures and batman beyond and then also a whole bunch of the new anime or not new animation but a lot of the um one-off movies that they do you have superman tim daly who is also brought back from superman the animated series wonder woman susan eisenberg who plays wonder woman in a whole bunch of the animated continuities green lantern john uh green lantern here is specifically john stewart and he's voiced by phil lamar You have The Flash, who is Wally West instead of Barry Allen, and he is voiced by Michael Rosenbaum. Martian Manhunter, Jean Jones, is voiced by Carl Lumby, and Hawkgirl is is voiced by Maria Barrera. And um, I don't know if you listened to her CW episode, but the cool thing is that Bruce Timm wanted the Thanagarian race to be Latino for the most part, so that makes me really happy too. Because I didn't know that it was that, that... 
um, she voiced her because I only ever knew Kevin Conroy and Susan Eisenberg. Yeah. It's also funny because this one goes with Wally West as a Flash. And for what, like, at least when I started reading in between watching this and seeing other beginning, like, following, looking at Justice League type stuff, I always knew of Wally West. And it wasn't until, like, they did all this rebirth type stuff in the TV show and now, I guess, movie coming out that Barry Allen, which I knew was a Flash, but I always pictured Wally West as being the more popular one that they decided to go with Barry Allen now, even I believe he was the original one. If I'm correct. Barry Allen was the original. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think what that really speaks to is just the way that the way we the way we see these characters is largely informed by this because it was just so damn good. The origin of the team is as follows. It's so the origin for this Justice League is really similar to the origin of the originals that I gave. And so essentially what happens in the very first episode, you have alien invaders who are loosely based off the White Martians from the DC Comics. They are awakened accidentally on Mars, and they're coming to take over Earth. And then Superman and Batman rescue Jean Jones, who telepathically summer, summons Wonder Woman from Themyscira. And then they also, he also summons Hot Girl, the Flash, and the Green Lantern all to defeat the invasion. Superman then gathers everyone at a newly built watchtower funded by Batman through Wayne Aerospace's R&D budget, asks to be a part of the team, which he dubs the Justice League. So most of the characters that are in Bruce Timm's continuity retained their general comic book origins, with Wonder Woman being the only exception. In this continuity, uh, the episode Secret Origins revises the plot of Diana's competition against her fellow Amazons to be ambassador of peace to man's world. And she is referred to mostly as a rookie superhero during her first encounter with the League. And subsequent ep- episodes make sure to touch on her attempts to adjust to fitting to the new world. So you have her really being this kind of like fish out of water a lot. And it plays into a lot of the episodes and how she handles things. I thought they also changed the origins of uh, John, uh, John Stewart in this thing. This was the first time where he's actually really portrayed as a Marine veteran yes. and not an architect. Yeah, they do. Yeah, But I think like the larger thing, too, and the reason that when you look at stuff, the notable change is Diana is because when it comes to the other parts of the team, like Wally, John, um, Hot Girl a lot of these characters don't really have large focuses in the comics and they actually get built out in the Justice League series specifically. So the reason Wonder Woman is changed this way is because there were actually a lot of issues with Bruce Timm and his team getting the rights to put Diana on the team in the first place. But he was really, really focused on having her be a member that he just kept fighting to have her introduced. And so a lot of... A lot of the reason that he could put her in was by rewriting her story, which is why another reason why it's it's important to kind of unpack that because this idea of having limited use of characters or specific uses for characters is something that is present throughout the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Additionally, the character of the Flash was portrayed as somewhat younger and significantly more brash than his comic book counterpart, taking on a number of personality traits of the Plastic Man in order to provide comic relief. And then the big one also for like for people who have watched it, the number one romance of the series is Hot Girl and Green Lantern. And that is just really pivotal to both how the first two seasons end and how 
both those characters develop in Justice League and Unlimited. And this was a major change because the character of Hawk Hawkgirl wasn't romantically involved with Jon Stewart in the comics. And she really didn't have a fleshed out character to begin with in the comics. And so um, that being their main major point was also done because they wanted that to be the focus. They, they also introduced Batman and Wonder Woman as having a shown hinted at relationship. It wasn't official, but it was very much there. And that came out of the creators not wanting to pair Wonder Woman with Superman, even though the fans kept requesting that they do that. He just thought that Wonder Woman and Batman made a better pairing. And the show was meant to end on Starcrossed, which is the last episode of the second season, but then Cartoon Network renewed renewed them, and then they decided to go ahead and change the name to Justice League Unlimited instead. So Justice League Unlimited runs from 2004 to 2006 on Cartoon Network. And it was one thing that was pointed out to me a whole bunch is Bruce Bruce Tim gets almost all of the credit for all these things because he was really pivotal in in starting this animated universe. But Dwayne McDuffie was really important to building out Unlimited. And Dwayne McDuffie is pretty much an iconic figure when it comes to comics. He also headed up uh, Static Shock Ben 10, um, but his main contribution, other than being a really great writer on a lot of comics owned by the big two, um, and specifically DC, was that he founded Milestone Media, which was the first minority-owned and operated company, and he won a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of awards, including an Eisner. And now there's actually an award name after him. So him and Bruce Tim really lead the charge creatively on Justice League Unlimited. So this series takes place shortly after Justice League, and it focuses on an expanded league, and the founding members end up taking a more marginalized back seat where they're not necessarily the main part of the story, and it's more about telling you about the other stories in the DC world. And in the first episode alone, there's got to be more than 50 characters that appear, um, just walking through the Watchtower. And it's really fun because there are a whole bunch of characters that aren't, that don't speak, but when you catch them, it's like, oh, I know that dude. Or if you watch DC TV now... You're like, oh, that guy was totally in Justice League Unlimited, didn't have a speaking role, and this costume looks really similar. I remember seeing the the crossover, like, from when it was just Justice League, and then when it went to Justice League Unlimited, and as a kid, I was like, who are all these people? <laughs> what is all of this? I need to go read all of their comics, because <laughs> that dude, what did that dude just do? Is that dude super elasticy? <laughs> what? <laughs> Who's this, who's this girl Superman person? Let me go look into her. <laughs> yeah, I love Justice League Unlimited. I think I like Justice League Unlimited more than I like the Justice League. Yeah, like, I could see that. The, the previous one. So the general format of each episode in this is that you focus on a small team who are assembled for a task, and then you deal with their particular situation, and you learn more about their actions against the threat, but also about the characters themselves and how they interact into the larger Justice League plot. Initially, epilogue was supposed to be the last episode in the second season and end out and end the entire series, but Cartoon Network renewed them again, and this led to issues with character usage again. So, characters associated with Batman and those who appeared in Batman the Animated Series, with the exception of Batman himself, were restricted 
because of an unrelated animated series called The Batman and Christopher Nolan's live action Dark Knight trilogy that was coming out in order to avoid confusion across all the universes. Aquaman and related characters were unavailable due to the development of a pilot for a live action series featuring the character of a young man and this was planned to be a spinoff of Smallville but that eventually didn't get picked up. Characters from DC's Mature Readers, so the Vertigo imprints, those were off limits as well. No characters from the Teen Titans animated series appeared in JLU until after the show had already been canceled. So in seasons one, two, you don't get them. And then in their final season, you end up seeing more, um, specifically Speedy. The Joker... Batman's archenemy was restricted to appear in the series, unlike its predecessor, like Riddler and Scarecrow, which were supposed to be members of the Secret Society, and they, even though they don't use Legion of Doom as a name in the Justice League Unlimited, they pretty much set up the Secret Society of supervillains as being the Legion of Doom. So in order to compensate for the characters that were taken away, they decided to focus on characters that had previously been overlooked by DC Comics. And these characters are those like Dead Man, Warlord, and the modern equivalent of the Seven Soldiers of Victory. And those are, uh, some of those are Vigilante, Green Arrow, Speedy, and Shiny Knights. And I said those because those are probably the ones you would remember. Um, Well, one... I'm definitely not a fan of Dead Man. I don't know why I just don't like that <laughs> character at all. And two, I also find it interesting that basically DC, every time they try to make like new thing, all of a sudden restrict what they're already making, which I don't understand. Like just because they came out with the, like the Batman, which by the way is has the characters in a way that is like that even universe is drawn out is completely different than like any other Batman. So the fact they're restricting all that is kind of weird because. I don't even think they use any other Batman characters, like at least um, like Robin or Batgirl or anything until like season four of that show. And like I said, I don't know what the Dark Knight trilogy had to do with why they couldn't use anybody else. I just don't see like when they make other types of shows, all of a sudden they can't use their characters in unrelated yeah, things. Yeah, just like how they did with like Suicide Squad for the CW verse now. Like why do they always, why, like why you got to kill off the characters in one show just because you're putting them in another one? I'm smart enough to know that they're separate. Come on, man. <laughs> Even as a kid, I'm smart enough to know that they're separate things. But the funny thing is the animation's completely different, and it's a totally different Batman, totally different look. Total, like, the Joker looks hilarious in the Batman that actually came out during this time frame. First few seasons are pretty good, and then it goes downhill. Yeah, and I think one of the things, too, is like I can kind of give them leeway for like restricting animated character usage. But TV show versus movie, that's just stupid. That's just really, really stupid. I just don't get anything that's unrelated. I don't see why you have to restrict. Yeah, so for the but why though? So this, Bruce Timm's Justice League, both the first series and the second series are held as being critically acclaimed, fan-loved, and just revered overall. And a lot of this has to do with the way it's animated, but also because the way it's written so these like these episodes you get heartbreak betrayal love really really freaking good humor you have pretty much everything wrapped up and this pretty much became 
as we've all said, a touchstone for a generation on what Justice League, what the Justice League is supposed to be. So I went ahead and picked a couple of, I went through like I think about five lists trying to find like the best Justice League and Justice League Unlimited episodes. And these are the ones that I came up with. The first is, and in no particular order, like I'm not ranking these. So the first is Wake the Dead, and this has Hot Girl and Solomon Grundy. So what happens is essentially, if you don't know Solomon Grundy's story, Solomon Grundy is pretty much doomed to die again and again and again. His body is separated from his soul, and each time he comes back different and slightly more angry, more aggressive, and just worse. It's it's a really bad curse, in all honesty. Um, the Thanagarians and Hot Girls and Hot Girl specifically are presented as having left behind the old ones and pretty much being atheists. But there's this part where she consoles Grundy, where he's asking it because he's about to die. They just fought together, and he's asking if his soul is waiting for him on the other side. And she wants to say no, but she she gives him that solace and says yes. And it's like the one time that Grundy has this moment where he's calm and this is in the justice league and this isn't the specific wake the dead episode but i needed to say this because the important part of wake the dead is at the very end grundy is pretty much uncontrollable nobody can handle him and hot girl comes and decides to see if she can tap into this connection that she had with the past grundy in in justice league and she walks up to him and he calms down. And it's really sad because she just executes him. Because that's like, that is the only way that she knows how to save him and stop him from being this monster, both for Grundy's sake and for everybody else. And this is a kid show and that's really deep. <laughs> yeah, the, the, sun, the sun was getting real low in that scene. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a it's a great great scene. I think like that's like one of Hot Girl's best episodes for sure. Easy, easy. I know this is like one of your butt why those later, but like they flesh out her character so well that I believe that she actually cared in like that episode for sure. Yeah. Having like never seen her before, like in a comic or anything like that, like that's I think that's her premiere episode for me. Yeah, I can agree there. Um, the next one is called Hereafter, and this is effectively the death of Superman. In this episode, after Superman's killed by, um, I don't remember his name, the little, I think he's called Toy Man, the little puppet guy. Something like that. Yeah. Um, he kills Superman with a, ro or kills, you know, air quotes here, apparently kills Superman with a robot. And this is where you get probably my most iconic Wonder Woman scene where she picks him up and she's about to, like, she says she's going to punch a hole in him. And you know that she's not joking because she's crying. And right before she does it, the Flash comes up and stops her. And you realize that this would have been, if there was a moment that Wonder Woman was going to kill, it was going to be now and it was going to be because Superman died. So as much as that's really important to understanding Wonder Woman's character and seeing that pivotal moment of hers, you also get to see Batman really shine and have a different dynamic that you don't get most of the time. Because throughout this, Batman refuses to accept that Superman is dead. And the Batman-Superman dynamic is one that is really important because Batman is not somebody who constantly wants to be a part of the Justice League. And he's somebody who will choose... He will choose to do what's right 
for his moral compass and he will fight back hard if you believe that you're doing if he if he believes that you're doing something wrong and that's that's what him and superman's dynamic is it's a lot in push and pull for the betterment of the league and ultimately when batman has this moment where he's guessing whether or not he's dead and he's standing in front of the memorial he says despite our difference i have nothing but respect for you you showed me that justice doesn't always have to come from the darkness he says something like where he uses a present tense instead of a past tense or something like that so he corrects himself and then he goes off on this like pretty much like a conspiracy filled thing like superman isn't dead let me connect all the red thread um and you know ultimately superman does end up coming back because he was just zapped to the future but it's a really good episode because you get to see different parts of characters and how Superman's importance was felt within the team. Yeah, that's how you portray Superman's death in a movie and build connections where people would actually care if Superman died. Unlike some movies that don't do that. <laughs> good. good. <laughs> when you were reading this, I was trying to remember it, and I was like, I could have sworn he went to the future, but I couldn't remember. And then you said that. I was like, yeah, yes. it's in the part two. Yeah. Like yeah. the like, other part? Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah, so I think it was also important, important to point out that, like, some of these are multiple part episodes. Please don't at me. I'm giving you the first one to go watch. <laughs> um, the next one is probably Superman's best episode, and that's the man who has everything. And in this one, it's Superman's birthday, and everybody's showing up to the Fortress of Solitude to, like, just hang out, you know? <laughs> And they come in and they find out that Mongol has given Superman a gift, which is essentially this plant that controls all of his thoughts and memories and it puts him into what he desires most. And here you have Mongol just assume that Superman is like living as a king and ruling Earth or ruling a world. But instead, Superman is actually just back at home on Krypton living out his life with a father, with a wife, with a son, and has the life that he never had. And this episode I really like mostly because it reminds me a whole bunch of the episode where P Picard lives an entire lifetime in like 20 minutes because Superman has to consciously make the choice to accept that it's all fake and leave it for himself. And that points to Superman's altruism and his really strong moral code and selflessness. Which I personally, I don't think any, any any of us like Superman. If you've listened to any of our episodes, I think we've dogged on him a lot. But I think that this episode does a lot to show him. And I respect him. I'm, I'm like Batman. I yeah, respect I mean, him. You showed, you, they showed him being human. That's, that's, that's why it's a good episode. Yeah. Because a lot of the, the stuff in this series in the comics don't doesn't show him having like human struggles you can't relate to someone not having human struggles so when he's going through this life like he's just a regular dude with like regular problems and mongol just like destroys everybody and like that first like half that episode where he just comes in and just destroys batman destroys wonder Woman. wonder woman i remember watching it as a kid like how it was like my first moment of like how are they gonna beat this dude yeah, like that dude is really strong. Like, what's going on here? Which you say destroys Wonder Woman, but she pretty much has to save everybody's ass by distracting him the entire last half of it. No, that's why I said the first half. Oh, like yeah, the first yeah. half, he comes in and he. That's why I'm saying, like, when I first, like, when that first commercial break came, oh, I was like, dude, yeah. he, he just destroyed everybody, 
and it didn't even look like it was hard for him. Yeah, and I think, like, the cool thing is, too, that you don't, as much as this is a Superman episode, at the very end, once they free him from the plant, it ends up going to the, the next closest host, and that host is Batman. And Batman's dream is, one, in black and white, and two, it's it's not a scene where his they never walked down that alley or they never died it's the or they never had that situation they just lived a happy life it was his father fighting back and stopping it from happening and for him that was his ideal moment so it kind of says a lot about batman because you would expect that the easiest way is to just say well this should have never happened you know i can just erase this and that's my perfect world but instead his perfect world was his dad doing something about it because Bruce Tim Justice League is deep. Um, this is also... I think this is probably one of my favorite episodes. It's definitely up in the top three. And it's called Epilogue. And this was initially what Justice League Unlimited was meant to end on. And this is where we get Batman's empathy above all else. So this episode is a tie-in into the Batman Beyond series. And this is where we learn... Um, after learning that Terry McGinnis is actually a clone of Batman, that's not the important part. The important part is having Amanda Waller explain Batman's humanity to Terry and uh, Bruce's humanity to Terry. And she recalls the story of Ace, who is the member of the Royal Flush Gang, who was a child she was experimented on, and she got these really, really strong mental powers, and she pretty much holds the city hostage. And Waller tells Batman to kill her before her aneurysm um, bursts. Because if that happens while she's in pain or something like that, it will pretty much take the entire city. Like the psychic backlash will destroy everything. And so she she gives Batman a device. And because Ace knows him, because this is in Gotham and, it, it, and from previous dealings, Ace lets him walk through it. And when he sits down, he's worried that she thinks this because she asked him a question and she says, you don't have to answer. I already read your mind. And he's like, OK. And she's like, I also know you're not going to kill me. That's why I let you come here. And Batman takes out the device from his pocket and pretty much just destroys it. And it's gone. And you know that he's not going to kill Ace. And what happens in those final moments is he just pretty much hears Ace's story and then he just sits with her and he just waits for her to die calmly and nothing happens. There's no giant battle to end it. And it pretty much just ends with Batman walking out with Ace's body. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is powerful stuff. And this is a Batman that clearly, like it shows that Batman does have that part in him that isn't just, it, he's not ruthless He's not unfeeling. He does have emotions. Yeah. I, I, I had nothing to add because I think you said it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And like, not even just to be facetious. Like, that's one of my favorite episodes. <clears throat> and I think you, you hit exactly why it's so good. Which I, I do want everybody to know, too. Like, the episodes that I'm reading out, like, they have a really strong focus on different members of the team. Um, and this last one... I probably could have picked a better episode for Flash. Um, but I went with the great brain robbery. 
And I obviously, like, I didn't want to go too much, so I, I chose these because these are some of my favorites. But I went with the great, the great Brain Robbery because, one, I wanted to end on humor because it's a really funny episode. Essentially, Lex Luthor and The Flash switch brains using uh, Gorilla Grodd's tech. And it, you get one of, like, the best scenes where Lex Luthor has this moment where he's like, I'm finally going to find out who The Flash is. And he removes his cowl and he looks in the mirror and he's like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> because nobody knows who Wally West is because he's pretty much unimportant in everything. Um, and it's filled with a whole bunch of humor. Like, you have Wally Lex try, just, like, fumbling his way through, like, making the Legion of Doom do nice things or not destroy the world and calm people down. But on the other side, you have Flash Lex pretty much showing what a destructive force the Flash can be. Like, a lot of the times, the Flash gets written off as a joke character in parts of these series, in in the in this series specifically. Like, he is the butt of a lot of jokes. He doesn't take a lot of stuff seriously. And in many ways, he kind of holds himself back. And I think that has to do with the fact that Wally is in full understanding of what he can do with his powers. Because essentially, while Wally's just messing around as Lex, Lex as Flash is pretty much destroying the entire watchtower and he can't be contained until finally, I think it's Mr. Terrific takes him down. But that's why I chose that one because it's a way of really highlighting Wally's power, but also understanding that like this series does humor really well too. Like it doesn't just do deep cuts; it also does humor. One of my favorite jokes in the entire series is when uh, the Flash, and this kind of goes to like him being like written off as like the the joke character, but I still think it's one of my favorite jokes. I don't think I, I don't think I got it as a kid, but I remember rewatching it. On Netflix, but when uh, the Flash is like, uh, "I'm the fastest man alive," and Hot Girl's like, uh, "Which might explain why you can't get a date." That totally <laughs> yes. went over my head as a kid. But I, I, when I rewatched a couple years ago, I was like, "Oh my god, did she just say that?" And then you know the subtle things of like Hot Girl slapping uh, John Stewart's butt all the time. Yes, I'm like I I didn't understand any of that when I was watching it. But I like I like all those episodes you picked. To be honest, those are all my favorites. I think the only one that I would add in there that's like not really related to any of the main characters is the one with uh booster gold yeah uh, the one you know where he like basically he saves the day and if you don't know who Bo- booster gold is like that's the whole point of the episode like he's like this time traveling guy who went back to the past to like be something and basically like while the main justice league is out doing something and fighting he's like basically saving the world somewhere else and no one knows about it. No one will ever know that he almost saved the world. Like, even at the end of the episode, after he saves the world, uh, he gets, like, berated by Batman. Like, why did you leave? Like, what are you doing? And, like, Booster Gold can't, like, tell Batman, like, well, hey, Batman, stop being such a dick. So he just has to, like, deal with the fact that he saved the world and no one's going to have to know about it. And I think it's such, like, a deep, a deep thing to, like, how even though... Booster Gold is not a main Justice League character. You you can see that these lesser known characters have to do like these grunt work that is probably saving the world that no one's ever gonna know know about. And I think that's a great analogy to like working in real life. <laughs> There's tons of stuff that I do on a daily basis that no one will ever know about. Yeah. And this is just me getting like into my work life. But like at the end of the day, as long as something's good happen, who cares who gets the credit? 
Yeah. I think the one episode that I was kind of wondering, <clears throat> that one of my favorite ones, and I don't know if it's a favorite one, but I guess the one that really hit me, per se, because this is supposed to be like a kid's uh, show and on Cartoon Network, was basically when they basically, sorry, when they kill almost the entire Legion of Doom. Yeah. And they like don't really say anything, but if you actually like, like, you know, read context and see what happens, they literally just killed like almost every single villain there was. And it's like, oh, I didn't realize, because they do it so subtle that, obviously, as a kid, you might not notice, or you're like, oh, because I think it just ends it, and they go off into something else, but if you're actually paying attention and see, you're like, they literally just killed about 50 different people. Yeah, and I think, um, I actually didn't put it here in the show notes, and I'm kind of kicking myself, I don't know why I didn't, but this show is also really important, because we grew up, and we can still go back and rewatch this series, and still laugh at it, and still be touched with it. It is it, it, it's it's timeless. It holds up so well. Yes, and I think that just goes from the fact of like me, my, like you rewatching it, Kate, and I and myself rewatching it, and then Matt seeing it at twenty four. Like that's that's good TV right yeah. there. That's good. That's good storytelling. Also, my favorite line is when Batman gets shot down in a plane, and he's like, "My jet's broke. Guys, help! <laughs> I can't fly. No, seriously, I can't fly." And so, like, oh, shit, and they have to, like, go pick him up. Yeah. Because he's falling out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons that, that their humor is so good, too, because it's that humor of the mundane. It, mundane. It's just, like, the little ordinary things that they point out as being funny. Which I think in the following, or one of the episodes later, with Batman going, we're like, we need to turn ourselves in. He's like, I'm only part-time. I'm not exactly. going in. Yes. Yeah, it's it's really good. And what do we say on this podcast when all three of us agree? It's a fact. So go watch this if you haven't. Unfortunately, see, it's... we were silent on purpose just to watch Kate yell "fact," and so me and Adrian could watch her do that. <laughs> oh, fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> I, I pause. I pause. I know you waited for us, and I was like, "Let's see if we say anything." But no, fact. There you go. Y'all suck. <laughs> it's a fact uh yeah i don't know <laughs> so i've kind of talked about it already but just to really show you the way in which the justice league series took a minimal character and flesh and flesh them out i'm gonna use hot girl they do this with uh, with other characters as well but i think specifically this works for hot girl's narrative because season one and two of justice league pretty much hinge on her so one of the reasons a lot of people love justice league is because the cast is diverse and you get people shining and i i tried to just do everybody and i just really needed to do hot girl so uh Shire hall or hot girl is pretty much like if you took thor and like i hadn't thought about it until i started actually looking into her character and remembering how she was portrayed on the show she is pretty much thor like she wields around a battle mace and she is always the warrior first and she she's she's a pretty close equivalent if you're not counting superman and so initially at the end of the series the thanagarians come to earth to under the guise of protecting the planet from a gridanian attack so in order to protect the planet they actually end up sending an entire war fleet and it's discovered that the initial attack was staged just so that the Thanagarians could take over and fortify Earth 
for this endless galactic war. But the big thing here is not just that the Thanagarians, the race of people that Hawkgirl is from, have double-crossed the Justice League and Earth, but it's the fact that Hawkgirl was pretty much in on it from the beginning. Well, not pretty much. She was in on it from the beginning. She was a double agent. She had been reporting on the Justice League and their activities from the moment she had joined. So essentially what she would do is she studied everyone and gave the Thanagarians all the knowledge they needed to exploit the team's weaknesses and individually imprison them all so that they could um, keep construction going. So as bad as all this betrayal is, probably the biggest thing that hurt my heart was that she was actually engaged to another Thanagarian, Rotalok, the entire time that she had been on Earth. So even though... It's hard for her because she does have a one-on-one -on -one fight with Jon Stewart. Jon decides to hold back and not hurt her, thinking that Shaira is going to choose love. But instead, she chooses her duty over him and pretty much just knocks him out cold. And it sucks to see that. But at the same time, it kind of shows that hot girl's duty is always going to come first, regardless of who that duty is to. And no matter how much she loves John, like she couldn't put that ahead of it. Well, I saw it funny that you said that uh, you equated her to Thor only because he was a brash and bold alien warrior that wields a blunt instrument and not the fact that he was basically came that besides all that, but they basically come from an advanced uh, civilization, which also like probably believes in science versus the magic type thing. Yeah. Cause they're, like I said earlier, they're atheists. Well, I know, overall. but I was like, that whole her whole background and her origin of where she come from almost not necessarily matches but it's very parallel with uh thor's as well yeah not just he's not just they're both carrying around giant clubs well they are both carrying around giant clubs but that too yes probably that more that yeah, i was gonna say probably clubs. a lot more than that than they show going her club they are shown going her club a lot well this is true but <laughs> Their actual civilizations they come from is yes, very advanced. They are. Um, so, yeah. So, ultimately, things don't go the way you think they're going to. And it turns out that the Thanagarians themselves have actually been lying to Hot Girl the entire time as well. And it's revealed that they're not fortifying Earth against an attack, but they're actually preparing to just destroy it so they can make this one, like this. I guess like a highway is probably the best way to call it, but a path towards conquering their enemies and pretty much taking over more of the universe. And when this is revealed, you learn that hot girl, her morality steps in because she realizes that after living on earth for so long, not like she couldn't let these six million, this, these six billion people that she has been protecting and saving from, you know, countless threats. She couldn't let them be destroyed. So she ends up going to find the League who is now escaped because, I mean, they're the Justice League, hiding in a bat cave and tell them about their plans. They don't trust her and kind of just ignore it. And so then she ends up going to um, Protolic alone and pretty much begging him to spare the planet but for the Thanagarian, this isn't a matter of six billion people. It's a matter of how do we make sure that our society stays the best and how do we make sure that we're safe? And for them, that means they have to destroy Earth. 
it ultimately ends up with her being knocked out by the person she used to be engaged to. And then, of course, the Justice League show up to save the day because they did believe her. Um, but it doesn't end happy because even though she decided to help them out in the end, she knows they betrayed, she knows that she betrayed them and they know that she betrayed them. And they have this vote to whether or not she should stay in the Justice League. And she ends up to just go ahead and leave because there's really no place for her. She betrayed her entire people and she be- and she betrayed her team which was essentially her family and she be- betrayed John. So she decides to go ahead and resign and she leaves and there's like this really big dramatic last scene where she flies off from John. And right before she flies off, he asks her, like, was this all a lie? And she's like, you were pretty much the only thing that wasn't a lie, like, in typical, like, spy reveal fashion. But she still flies away because she can't be there. And it's super sad and it makes me cry. And Hot Girl is just a really damn good character. And we wouldn't know this if she hadn't have been brought into the spotlight on these on this series. Yeah, this, like... <clears throat> I won't add anything to the episode because I think you covered it really well. But I think uh, if you want like an example of why they did her character so well here and why it's a problem elsewhere, like look at um, uh, the the CW verse, what they did with Hot Girl, and how it's like nowhere near as cool or as badass, and how almost like why did you give me this Hot Girl? Can't you just give me the Hot Girl from Justice League Limited? Because that Hot Girl is dope. So yeah. It's not almost like it is definitely. Why the hell did you give me this barista? Give give me give me Shira <laughs> I hear, Hall. I hear she is a barista. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, they do not use the actual reincarnation thing. Well, they kind of try to do it, but I don't ever know if it actually happened. Basically, they introduce Hawkman, who sounds like a crazy crazy man. And he's basically an archaeologist who's like, oh, I'm working in Egypt. And all of a sudden, I realized I was this long-lost person when they thought he was just a crazy man who happened to walk into a pyramid and found Hawkman stuff. I'm not really sure how they ever portrayed that, whether it was actually true or not. Yeah, no, it is. Well, I mean, I'm sure, but it was just weird the way they did it. At least for me, it never seemed to come... I mean, I could be obviously wrong because it's been a while, but it didn't seem like it was completely solidified that this is actually what happened. It was more of like, this is a story. We think this is what happened, but this guy also sounds very crazy. Uh, in Justice League Unlimited? Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I know what the original actual stuff is obviously true, but I'm talking about the way they portrayed it in Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, So, because just to kind of flesh it out, um, what what I what Matt's trying to say is like essentially they use this same like reincarnation narrative in like DC TV for that one and it doesn't work well. But in Justice League Unlimited, you do have like a small storyline on that, but I think it's only an episode. It's and only an episode, and it when they do it, it doesn't make any sense either because they already did the whole Thanagarian thing. Yeah, and so that's why I thought the whole thing was he was actually crazy. Ah, okay. Because it's like, oh, we're reincarnated lovers, but you're a Thanagarian that's been here spying on us. And yeah, like Thanagarians are a thing, and they don't reincarnate into humans. Yeah, yeah, so that's why, I mean, I could be wrong if it was actually the day, but they portray that storyline, and that's how he portrays himself. But I think they also find out that the original guy is actually an archaeologist who was messing around in pyramids, 
and so they thought he stumbled oh, upon yeah, this no, and actually right. read the story. Yeah. That that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Either way, the DC TV hot girl sucks. Give us Shaira Hall from the Justice League. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we can just delete Hawkman altogether. Yes. Which also yes. Which they did. <laughs> because Hawkman was a founding member initially, and they switched him out for Hot Girl. So overall, one of the reasons and the final reasons why I think this really matters is because the series the series themselves serve as an immersion into the characters' personalities and stories that are reflective of the comics, but they also build on top of them or change things just to make it narratively work. And that's perfectly okay here because you actually get to feel like you're learning, growing, and getting to know these characters really, really well. And I haven't seen any animation that comes close to this. Um, I don't know about you guys, but that's... I. Do y'all have any other things to add? Like any other animations that you think come close to this or anything to add on this? Can you guys think of any of animations that come close to this? Dragon Ball Z. Well, I mean like superhero things. <laughs> <laughs> superhero things now. Like this is like the reason why DC... This is the start of like DC just totally dominating uh animated superhero shows like i said before i, I went and looked it up like superman unlimited or the superman animated series batman animated series and justice league unlimited are all in ign's top 100 yeah um and in the same time frame i think like spider-man like one of like the spider-mans at the same time like follows falls in that category and that's about it yeah so what about know, batman beyond just, Batman, yes, Batman Beyond was in that top one hundred as well. Okay, yeah, I do yeah. like so. I do like the Avengers Mighty Earth Mightiest Heroes. Yeah, even though the second, I believe the second season was kind of a little weird. Yeah, no, I do like that, but I don't think they come close to the storytelling of this. No, they do not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's overall like this. Like I may, I may like Marvel overall comic book and definitely movie wise, but animated series wise like dc you can't touch dc and it all starts with bruce tim and you know what he did i think overall with justice league i like I'll, i think i'd go back and watch justice league before i watched um batman or the superman animated series yeah i would probably too i didn't really I one i vague i vaguely remember the you talking about the Batman... The wh- Batman animated series, not the Batman. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the Batman animated series, definitely go watch, even though some of the, uh, I guess the animation is, you can definitely tell it's dated. Sometimes hard to watch. In the beginning of it, it's really weird because the way they get the show started, because it kind of confuses you for the first few episodes. The Batman... I'm not going to watch that again. It was good for what it was for the first few seasons, and then it went... I don't know what yeah. what they decide to do. And then I don't care about Superman. But I will say, too, like, one of the big things, because you also have Static Shock um, in this era preceding it. And, like I said, Batman Beyond, I think. Like, I don't think we should get any more Batman movies unless it's a Terry McGinnis movie. Like, I, I would, like, pay so much money to see Terry McGinnis. And Batman's just, like... Did you get the Batman Beyond animated movie? That Batman Beyond animated movie is so good. Yes. Very good. Um, so, yeah. At the risk of breaking our one-hour streak, uh, do you want to go into some of the fan, but why those, Kate? Yes, I do. 
So um, these fan, but why those actually come from the do you the hashtag do you even comic book discord channel that I'm in? Um, there are a whole bunch of great people. So the first one is from at Task versus the World, and he says Justice League matters because it introduced the world to John Stewart. They showed him they showed the initiative with diversity even when the books weren't doing it. At Second City Cron says looking back, the show seemed to really take risks. It was a great introduction to a variety of heroes that you may not have even heard of outside of reading particular books. For example, about heroes like Vixen, Hot Girl, another Green Lantern that wasn't Hal, and even the Martian Manhunter. You could root for your favorite, and you got a different adventure with each episode. Watching that show, it felt like the best thing ever growing up. Plus, I think they had a crossover with Batman Beyond and Static, so was which that they the, do. So the Batman Beyond episode, I could be wrong, but that was kind of like to fulfill the whole circle of Batman Beyond to close it, right? Yeah, it was, it was a tie-in. Yeah. that's that, when he finds out that he's... Yeah, it was yeah. a tie-in. I thought it was a tie-in to finally like close that series yeah. out. Okay, I was making sure that was correct. Because I don't know if you mentioned that, but I was like, I thought that closed yeah, that did. whole... Okay. Well, I know you talked about the crossover, but like that it like basically tied the whole show, I guess, ended it. Yeah. And then they also have stuff with Static, which Static Shock was a great show, guys. It was really a great show. Um, I'm not then, shaking my head on that one. I'm sorry. Huh? Oh, I saw Adrian shaking his head, and I was like, I'm not shaking my head on that one. I didn't really care for that. That one's good. I love Static oh, Shock. Oh, Static Shock was so good. I, just, yeah, I, loved I it. did not like that one. And then finally, from at Ivy182, Justice League for me felt like... Felt like great forward movement and payoff as a fan that watched the Batman and Superman shows prior. Seeing a team with characters so different and new to me. I wanted to know more about the ones I had never heard of. Which I think we've all echoed for the most part. So out of that original thing, who was your favorite founding member then? For me? Well, for both of you. Well, uh, yeah, obviously for everyone. I just didn't know if you wanted me to go first. Oh, I don't care. Yeah, no, my favorite founding member... I had to go with Hot Girl. I really love Hot Girl, and I think that's why I chose her to be like the highlight of making a character great. Because I just think she's an she's a she's she's an awesome character, and I always really identified with her growing up. And I think I said it in our Wonder Woman episode when I used to watch this. My mom was like, "Go read more Wonder Woman. Love Wonder Woman." I was like, "Nope, I like Hot Girl." <laughs> Because she was just brash, and she said what she thought. And if she wanted to hit you over the head, she's gonna hit you over the head and ask questions questions later. So you ran around going, I club people. That's all I come from, Alien Club. Well, Xena was also one of my favorite people, and she just kind of threw her chakram at people, so yes. It was violence first, questions later. Terrible. (laughs) What about you, Adrian? Uh, Jon Stewart's uh, Green Lantern is my favorite. Uh, It's my favorite character out of all of them. I think, I don't don't know why, maybe because he's dark and I'm dark. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. I always always liked the Green Lantern, um, like mythology and like the Green Lantern in the comics, and I think he's the best one out of all of them. And he just brings like a different. He brings what I like in characters to the Justice League, like you know, just that his morality is 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 good. It's not like full Superman, but it's also not like Batman. It's like a nice happy medium where he would destroy you if he had to, but he's probably like not going to kill you. And then he's going to go uh, get his butt slapped by Hot Girl. So I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Matt? See, this is also why I put him the captain of my team. Because he's in the happy median. Because Batman would go the other way. And I can't have two people with too much morale high. Or morale on my team. 
our compass can't will break. But um, as much as I enjoyed Batman that show, I probably would have to go with the Green Lantern too. I think his character is really well done there. And I was never really... I mean, I've always liked the Lanterns just because of like, their story and their origin, as Adrian was talking about. But I never really liked Hal, per se, because I just did not like him as a character and how they portray him and his personality. But I really liked uh, Jon Stewart for the most part. Especially, as he said, the way he's kind of the happy medium where he will have this whole like honor and morale thing, but he also will draw a line saying, this may be it, but we need to do what's right. Yeah. Which, by the way, there's this part in justice league unlimited where green lantern goes to the future and sees him and hot girl's future son like while he's still with vixen and it is fucking heart-wrenching it's so sad Warhawk. god Warhawk was awesome that was his name wasn't it yep yeah but yeah no i agree with you guys uh can't I mean, he's, you can't agree with this. Well, no, like, I agree with you that he's the best Lantern. Oh, okay. Like, I don't give a crap <laughs> about any other Lantern. Like, I wrote a crap ton about Simon Baz in my thesis, and, like, I don't like him. I love Jon Stewart. Jon Stewart for days. As an academic joke, would it be because you don't like him because you like Jon Stewart or because as in everything in academia, it makes you hate it after a long time? Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> Academia, grad school writing, where that makes you hate what you actually like. Yep. But anyway, so on that note, um, any final thoughts for Justice League Bruce Tim, Or Bruce Tim's Justice League? No, I honestly think we hit everything, to be honest. Like, I'm pretty happy with it. Like, it's not going to be as... Like, they should just take that thing like the animated series and just make it into a, a movie like shot for shot stop trying to make new new stuff and I'll, I'll i'll go see that opening day five times in a row yeah i didn't like where they went with the animated once unlimited uh ended whatever they decided to do i can't remember what all they went from there but it definitely wasn't that good i think they went back to the batman and then i don't remember exactly that but they i would wish they would come back and do something like this i don't even know if they actually have any animated like cartoon shows i would say that like young justice was the closest i ever got to that feeling again because i loved watching teen titans but young justice was where you got that same feel yeah i feel that i love teen titans but young justice is definitely better which is also weird because i do like young justice and i cannot stand teen titans i think you also just can't stand like kids superheroes in general but you like young justice i don't care maybe because if i'm an 11 year old person i don't care how trained you are if I'm a 30-year-old guy's going to knock your ass out. Like, I watch Robin jump around. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Are until you talking the... about uh, Son of the Batman? Well, Son of the Batman. I mean, just a lot of the teenage characters, I mean, the way they portray them, it's just... Uh-huh. Except for Raven. Because Raven is literally a god for the well, most part. Well, I mean, part. that's fine, but I'm talking about... Beast Boy can turn into a dinosaur. <laughs> Cyborg has a cannon for a hand, and Starfire is literally an alien with it can shoot stuff out of her hands and her eyeballs. The only one who's not believable is Robin in that whole situation. Yeah. Well, in that situation, but I just don't, I don't, I don't like the way, I just don't like the way they act. I don't like the whole kid thing. I, I, I don't like it. It's okay. We're, you, don't, you don't have to be on get the team Titans Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I did like Young Justice though. Yeah. Young Justice is phenomenal, but. Even though I did not like the break from season one to season two where they magically aged and they magically added in characters and they kind of did not like fill that in. Yeah. Anyway. 
So, as always, you can find the podcast at ButWhyThoughPC on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at OhMyMethRandier on Instagram and Twitter as well. Adrian? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93. Matt? Um, so, as you don't know, on the podcast, we'll be coming out with a bunch of special stuff, um, especially we get gearing up for Star Wars over the next month and a half, and if, for those of you that do not know, I like Star Wars, I do not love Star Wars, and I can barely stand half the Star Wars fan fanatic people, and so, we're looking to adopt a Matt, so if anybody would like to adopt me to come on their show or just talk about anything... Anyways, you can find me on Twitter at datm18, D-A-T-T-M-1-8. I should have just wrote you a script. That would have been better. 